I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 105. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, I'm sitting here spread out on my dining room table with some really special books and an author that I want to introduce you to. His name is Alan Say, and he has a very complex um, childhood background in history. His biographies are almost as interesting and fascinating as the books that he writes, which are fantasy. He was well, let me start at the beginning. <laughs> he was born in 1937. He's now 84 years old. Um, his mother, Masako, was born in San Francisco to Asian, you know, Japanese parents. But but she was born in America. But then after uh, she was raised here in her into her teens her parents decided to uproot her and bring her back to Japan because they did not feel at home in America. But of course, she'd never lived anywhere but America, and she didn't feel at home in Japan. And it's really an interesting story of how his parents met and um, the the tensions of the immigrant experience. And he tells that story in tea with milk. But anyway, so then his his mom met his dad, who was a Korean businessman, and um, so then she met him in Japan, working in a department store, according to Tea with Milk. I don't know if that's completely autobiographical. And then they wound up coming back to the United, coming to the United States. So um, he was born in Yokohama. And he actually graduated from UC Berkeley, but he was back and forth, back and forth. He wrote uh, a Caldecott award-winning book called Grandfather's Journey, which he wrote in 1994. The Caldecott Award is for the best illustrated book in America, and he actually won that. Um, he wanted to be a cartoonist from the time that he was six years old. <laughs> Amazing. And um, his mom and dad got a divorce, tragically, and he went to live in another, uh, in Tokyo, actually, and he was being sent to a very prestigious school, and he was supposed to live in an apartment um, and there was something with his grandma, and it's all in his biographies and autobiographies. He wrote one called Drawing from Memory, and then another one called The Ink Keeper's Apprentice, which I'll get to in a moment. But um, while he was living in this apartment, he didn't like school. He was frustrated and bored. And so he had a hero in his life, and the gentleman's name is Noro Shinpi, and he was the most famous cartoonist in Japan. And so one day, um, Alan read an article in the newspaper about a young boy who had, I think, like run away from home, if I'm not mistaken, and he had gone and knocked on the door of this cartoonist's studio and said, I want to study with you. I want to apprentice under you will you take me? And, and the cartoonist who always dressed as a monk had like, you know, this like robe with the belt 
And he said, okay. And so this young teenager had started working for him. So Alan had read about this and he decided he wanted to do the same thing. And so he found out where his hero uh, lived, Noro Shinpi, and he knocked on this very humble apartment door and it opened and there was the young man he'd read about in the article and there was the cartoonist. And he said, I want to uh, I want to study under you, and he was like twelve years old, and the young man that was studying with him kind of acted insulted and you know was rude to Alan, but Noro Shinpi said he could, and he began to apprentice himself under this cartoonist for the next four years. And then his father announced that he was going to move to America and waved a lot of money in front of Alan's face. And Alan was going to say no, but he discussed it with his master, um, you know, that he'd apprenticed under. And he said, it's a wonderful opportunity, Alan. I think you should take it. But the things that he learned under this man and um, in some of his later books, he, he dedicates many of his books to his um, master teacher. And when his master teacher was dying, he said to his daughter, um, he, in, in the book that Alan writes about his you know life, um, he says, the last time I saw him, Sensi, he calls him Sensi, like master, was 85 years old. We met in a restaurant and in a town at the foothills of Mount Fuji where a newspaper reporter ambushed us. I was furious, but the master kindly invited him to his apartment nearby. The reporter asked him, what was Kiyo-san like when he first came to you? And Sensi said, he came to me as a man wearing a mask of a boy. Looking back from where I am today, I see Sensi as a boy who wore a mask of a man. When I finished the illustrations for this book, I sent his daughter the original drawing of her mother who had passed when she was a very small child. She thanked me and wrote, at about one year, about one year before my father died at age 87 on February 20th, 2002, I asked him if there was anything he wanted to do. He looked at me steadily and said, Kioi is the treasure of my life. I want to work on a book with him. And then Alan says, this is that book about the book he wrote called Drawing from Memory, which is a story of those years when he was studying under Sensi. Um, he went on to moved back to Cal... So he he came to California at age 16 from Japan with his father, and he went to several art schools in the California area. One was called the Art Center College of Design in LA. He graduated from that, and then he decided he wanted to go back to Japan. He was homesick for Japan. But when he got there, he found that Japan had changed so much in the years that he'd been gone. So he stayed a year, and then he came back to, the, to America again. And when he came back to the States, he tried different things. He was always drawing, always, always drawing. Uh, he went two years into the Armony, and he was stationed in Germany. 
but he was always drawing. And then he came back to the States when he finished his enlistment, and he did 20 years as a commercial photographer, which is very interesting to me because his eye was being trained. There's something about being a photographer where you're constantly studying and cropping with your eye uh, the things that you see. And then one of the editors at Houghton Mifflin Publishing House, for some reason, asked him if he would illustrate a book called The Boy of the Three-Year Nap. And he did. And I believe that also won a Caldecott. But that was the beginning of his career as an author and as an illustrator. And he is one of the really national treasures that we have here in America. In Japan, that's what he would be called, a national treasure. So I told you about the story Tea with Milk, and it starts with the story of a young lady um, being brought back to Japan. And um, she's called May in America, but she doesn't like her um, Japanese name, which is Masako. And she has to wear kimonos and sit on the floor and her legs go numb. And she's like, why do I have to drink this tea in this tea ceremony? I like to drink my tea with milk. And how she leaves home to her Japanese parents, absolute chagrin. She moves into the city. She works in a department store because she's so fluent, of course, in English. And that's where she meets the man she falls in love with and marries And um, he had been schooled um, in a British boarding school, and so he loves to drink his tea with milk, as she does. And it's a really sweet story and how they move to the States eventually and and, um, have their son. If you feel like you're alone in homeschooling using my method, I invite you to come to my upcoming live seminar. What a great opportunity for community building. It will be held in the Minneapolis, Minnesota area on April 9th. This is a regional seminar for all of you Midwesterners. It's worth making it a destination weekend. Oftentimes I hear people say they have such a hard time finding community and homeschooling the Carroll way. One of the best ways to find community is to build it by learning alongside one another. When you come to one of my seminars, you will meet other like-minded families. You'll also have the chance to bring others along so they can hear the teaching and learn for themselves. So bring your husband, your mother, or your best friend. Make a couple's getaway or a girl's trip out of the weekend. There's nothing like the in-person experience for gaining vision and linking arms. Plus, I'll have books with me to help you build your family library. Visit my website through the link in the show notes to learn more and register today. Now back to the show. One of my favorite books that he that he has done is called The Bicycle Man. I don't know if this is based on a true story, but I love this book. It's about um, a school in Japan that is having like a sports day, like a field day. And it was right after the war. And while they're having the field day, um, 
the, the kids are all outside. The parents are all there with beautiful lunches that they bring once a year to celebrate the field day. And all of a sudden, they see these two incredibly tall, non-Japanese guys. One is actually African-American, and one has flaming red hair. And the red-haired one, I believe, is the really, really tall one. But they're both very tall to a Japanese group of children. And they ask if they can... Um, right, I think the African-American one asked if he can ride, yes, the bicycle. He sees a bicycle and the principal and he are trying to communicate without English and they're both bowing to each other and making motions. And so the African-American GI gets on the bicycle and starts doing all these tricks. And the red-haired GI is waving the jacket like it's a flag and cheering and kind of like the Toastmaster of the event, and all the little children are clapping and shouting, and it is just the most precious book. Imagine the tensions in Japan right after the war with two American GIs and an all Japanese group of people, and yet how they broke through all those boundaries. And it's just a sweet, sweet book, and the illustrations are very whimsical and fun. And then Ellen wrote a book about his daughter. And um, talk about someone who's just dealing with so many cultures. She's blonde, but she looks Asian. Nobody can figure out who she is or what she is. And um, Ellen uh, spends, you know, time processing this with her. Her name is Eureka, and her teacher calls her Eureka and embarrasses her half to death. And she just feels like she doesn't belong anywhere. But through her dad's sweet, sweet relationship with her, um, they she figures out who she is and just feels like she belongs. And it's just a lovely story. And then she does this beautiful art project that really gives her a sense of connection. And at the back of the book, there's a picture of Yuriko and she is blonde and she's wearing a kimono in the middle of Japan that she and her dad had gone um, on a trip for her to try and reconnect with that side of her heritage and it's just a sweet you know daddy daughter book that so many um, young girls are trying to find their identity in, in many different ways and so it's a sweet book and then a very sensitive book that he did is called Kamashibai Man. Kamashibai Man is like a street um, musician. So what he does is he he rides his bicycle with this box, and on the box, on the back of the bicycle, is actually um, pictures that he. It's like a little screen, but of course it's just uh, it's it's just mechanical. It's just like paintings that he keeps changing the picture and telling a story. And then every day he comes by, and then in the drawer of this box, he sells all sorts of little candies. And so he attracts the children with the stories that are free, and then the children um, buy the candy from him, and that's how he supports himself. And he certainly isn't making much money. It's a very humble profession. And as um, Japan became more developed and more affluent, um, this, this kind of stopped. Um, but this man decides to go back out into the streets um, with his old bicycle and the box and how all the people gather around and say, oh, 
I, I remember you. We grew up with your stories. Tell us Little One Inch. Tell us the Bamboo Princess. Tell us the Peach Boy. And how everybody on the street begins to clap. And he still has the same candy. And it's just a beautiful story. And um, talking about how the children in Japan have become so technological and so distracted. And um, they don't want to do anything this simple. But how... Um, he reconnects with uh, with you know the people that have grown up with his stories and with his um, sweets, and then he did a lovely sensitive book called Music for Alice, and it's a story of a beautiful woman, young woman who um, comes and grows up on a farm in California, and she loves to dance. And her family were farmers, and she went to college, and she met her husband, but he didn't like to dance too much. So she marries him, and she moves to Seattle, and they begin to sell seeds to farmers. And then Pearl Harbor takes place, and suddenly the whole world changes for her, and a man from the FBI comes to their apartment and searches it, and and they are told that they have to relocate and they have to leave everything that they're doing and they go to this horrible place this like factory that's deserted and she's the only woman there and they're told that that's where they're going to live during the war because they suspected that all Japanese people were spies um, if they were living here in America and so she and her husband some farmers come and ask if they would like to come work for them and they're like yes get us out of there and so they move out of this horrible factory and it's just they they live in this shanty this horrible horrible shanty and um but they begin to fix it up and they begin to farm and build this this business and um they clear the land of rocks rocks and rocks and rocks and then they start to grow onions and you know different crops and eventually they start to grow gladiolas and they have the largest gladiola farm in the world and people come from all over the world to see their farm and to buy from them and it's just the sweetest story and um people you know come and and they sell these bulbs all over the world and they build this huge business with um cottages for all their workers and growing families but then um her husband dies and they decide that they don't want to live there anymore. And so they she moves, but she still loves to dance. And so she said um, she moved back to Portland, Oregon, and she thinks about everything that they've walked through, and she goes back to the old farm, and it's just a wreck. And she says, um, she said, but now, now I can dance. And so it shows her at probably a wedding, and it says, and dance I do all that I can. She'd been through so many hard things, so much suffering, but still, she's still the same young woman that loved to dance, and she's reconnecting with that person. It's so sweet. And then two more that I want to share with you. One is a little, I I think it's really brilliantly done. It's called Emma's Rug. And it's about a little girl, she's Japanese, and um, 
living, I'm sure, in the States. And she is given a little rug when she's a baby. And it's just like a little bathroom rug. It has no big deal. But it kind of looks, I guess, like a little screen in the middle of it. And in her mind, she feels like she sees pictures and in this little rug. And she starts to paint them. And everywhere she goes, you know, their preschool or wherever, her paintings are just amazing. And they display them and the teacher just can't believe these paintings. And then one day her mother decides to wash the rug innocently. And um, she had like a reception, like in an art gallery with her paintings. And she becomes quite a celebrity. The mayor, everybody, you know, make a big deal about her. But then when her mother washes the rug, she feels like she's lost all of her creativity. And then bit by bit, she realizes, no, that in her imagination, that's where the creativity comes. And she had thrown out all of her art supplies and all of her stuff. But she decides, no, I can, and she begins to draw again. And it's just a sweet story about imagination. And then Tree of Cranes um, is the story I'm, I'm imagining of Alan Say's childhood, where one day he comes home, and, he, and he's living in Japan, and his mother uh, does not greet him at the door. He'd been playing at the carp pond of a neighbor's, and he knew he was in trouble because he was cold and he was wet. And his mother said, do not play in that pond again, but he snuck over and was. And so he was sneaking into the house, but his mother did not greet him at the door. And he finds her in a room making uh, paper cranes, um, folding, you know, the papers. And he couldn't imagine what she was doing. And she says, get in the hot bathtub and, um, and I will bring you some hot soup. And she's mad at him. And so she's folding the cranes, many, many, many of them. And then she goes outside. She makes him go to bed. And she goes out in their yard and she digs up the little tree that they had planted when he was born. And she brings it into the house in a pot. And she decorates it with all the cranes. And she tells him how in America people do this. And she says, today is the day that Americans do this. Because, of course, it was Christmas. And he'd never heard of Christmas or anything like this. And she decorated the tree. And then um, he falls asleep. And when he wakes up, I think it was the next morning, he had received a present, a kite that he'd wanted. And it was his mother's way of kind of remembering her childhood in California, uh, that her parents then, of course, had moved her back to Japan, but she still had that longing for the customs of America. It's just a beautifully done. His illustrations are truly amazing. The man is a gifted artist and he also has a very um, kind of like Van Allsburg just a real um, imagination that you never Chris Van Allsburg's books that same type of really creative imagination that goes with the illustrations because of course he's writing the books as well as illustrating them and it's just a beautiful uh, dance of of those two skills that he has coming together and um, I just think our children need to be raised with his books and just the understanding of other cultures and 
um, just bonding with people that don't necessarily look like you, or maybe you're Asian, in which case this is a marvelous resource for you and your family to have children in books that look like you. What a gift that that is. And we need to be you know, so aware of expanding our children's boundaries and helping them make connections, deep soul connections with people from other cultures, other times. This is why we can travel the world without leaving our home. Hopefully we'll travel the world physically as well, but doing both, that this is the scope for imagination that wonderful books, and particularly picture books, really um, encourage our children in expanding their world and their boundaries. So thank you for joining me this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. Be sure to tune in for the next episode of my podcast. Until next time, remember, Jesus' commandments are not burdensome. What he calls you to do, he will enable you to do. Blessings.